Are you ready to take the lead in the dance of life? Fall in love with who you are right now and find uninhibited joy every day? Then it's time for you to flaunt your smart, sexy, and spiritual self. Join radio host Laura Cheadle and learn how the five steps of flaunt can help you quit seeking approval, proving your worth, and release you from the judgment of others. Express all that you are, discover your naked self-worth, and finally, enjoy the life you've worked so hard to create. Hello, welcome to Flaunt, build your dreams and live your sparkle. Do you know what makes me sparkle? Books, books make me sparkle. Oh my gosh, I love to read. It doesn't matter if it's fiction, nonfiction, self-help poetry, it doesn't matter. I love reading. And even young adult, even though I'm 52, there are so many really amazing young adult books that I have and will continue to read because they are phenomenal. Now, you might be aware that there are not as many bookstores as there used to be. Part of that is because of the whole online book stuff. But there are, I think, way more independent, super cool, totally amazing bookstores with things like coffee bars and regular bars and booksellers that do more unique, more connected events around books. And I love that because I think books are truly an integral part of our experience as humans. And I truly mean that because there's no other way to communicate in a lasting way with other people, to disseminate your feelings, your thoughts, your passions, your stories. And I really, truly am passionate about books. And that's what today's show is about. I have got Abby Kerstetter from the Colorado Center for the Book as my guest today. And they are about to announce the finalists for top books in several different categories. And we'll go into that today. But if you're heading into summer and you're thinking, gosh, what are some amazing books that I might like to read? Stay tuned because this show is for you. So with that, welcome to the show, Abby. Hi, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm so excited. Okay, let's start from the very beginning. Colorado Center for the Books. I'm sure some listeners are like, what the heck? A center for the book? What, what, what is this and what is it all about? Absolutely. The Colorado Center for the Book is hosted by Colorado Humanities, which is a nonprofit in Colorado dedicated exclusively to support community-based educational humanities programming statewide for people of all ages and backgrounds. And we host several programs, but chief among them is the Colorado Book Awards. And we're just entering into our Colorado Book Awards season. We have our first reading lined up for this Friday, and we're just getting ready to notify the rest of our finalists and get those celebrations underway. That's so exciting. Okay, before we get into the book awards and the celebration, you were talking about, I mean, that, that was a mouthful, what you guys all do. <laughs> you guys do a lot of stuff. <laughs> yes. Let's, yeah. 
okay, you said all, all ages. Talk about, talk about books, talk about books in our society. Because like I said in, in the intro, it's kind of changed. We've got way more books coming out and people are reading digitally. And I just want to hear more about the ever evolving nature of books. Absolutely. We are really interested in engaging readers of all ages and through a number of different programs. So the Colorado Book Awards have been celebrated and presented since 1991. And those specifically celebrate the accomplishments of Colorado's own outstanding authors, editors, illustrators, photographers, and they're chosen from community readers who get a chance to read the newest books out by Colorado authors and participate in that conversation. And then some of our other programs that are related include the Speakers Bureau, which is comprised of finalists and winners of the Colorado Book Awards. And we help promote their work across the country, across the state and digitally these days, we can also connect them across the country through virtual meetings, but really just putting them in contact with communities and event programs to give them uh, a stage to read their work and, and reach out to their audience and to speak to young readers, young writers, aspiring writers, and really just a wide variety of um, audience members and, and book enthusiasts. And so some of our other programs related to that are, we have a veterans writing program where we have workshop for veterans to help them um, write their stories, write their truths. We have a mother read, father read program, which helps to encourage engagement within families and to really help promote parents reading to their children aloud to help develop that literacy and that love of learning from an early age. And then another great program we do is the Colorado Poet Laureate, where we help bring poetry to various communities across the state as well. That's amazing. And, and after this, this year's inauguration with that amazing po Poet Laureate, I would think there would be an increased or a renewed interest in that after that. Yeah, it's really been great to see poetry sort of enter a little bit more of the limelight. I think there's a tendency to view poetry as this ivory tower pursuit. And I'm actually primarily a poet myself. That is the genre that I write in. And I've always seen poetry as really a way of questioning, a way of feeling into the world, a way of engaging with um, difficult topics and understanding how how I move through the world, but also how various issues and concerns and communities are all connected. And so it's really been great to see poetry embraced outside of academia and to really see how it can speak across platforms, across communities and really provide voice for um, a variety of experiences and community members. Yeah, I, I really appreciate what you said because if somebody were to say to me, do you love poetry? I'd be like, mm, well, not so much. But at the same time, I study song lyrics and that's poetry. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and I would say that you haven't read or you haven't found the poet that speaks to you yet for, for anyone who says, oh, I don't like poetry. Not really. I would say you haven't found the one who speaks to you yet. Children's books, children's rhyme, song lyrics. Um, you know, Amanda Gorman has, has much more of a, a participating in that sermon tradition, that oratory tradition that, uh, you know, we think about 
speeches that have shaped our own history and participating in that tradition. I think that it's really just, um, it's incredible to see how, how many different shapes the, the form can take and to see how it can relate to so many different people. If, if you find the right genre and the right tradition that speaks to you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what you said about a way to deal with difficult issues and feelings concurrently, (laughs) I would say, I'm not really into poetry. Two of the most difficult things that I've ever written about, I chose to write about as a poem. And one is in the intro to one of the chapters in my book. It was a poet poem around my feelings of kind of being trapped by by motherhood, by wifehood, by doing everything for everyone and by shutting myself down. And I just opened one of the sections in my book with it. And it's a poem that I wrote when I was at a really painful place in my life. And my second thing, my speaker slam speech is a three and a half minute poem about my journey through infidelity. So it's ironic that on the one hand, I would say, "Eh, not so much. And then on the other hand, the two times when I've really needed and felt that I needed to express this in emotional terms that somebody could understand and there were no words, there was poetry. Yeah, and I think that really speaks to what poetry provides is it provides a place where you can have more questions than answers, right? You don't have to have a linear narrative arc with a neat introduction and a tidy conclusion and a lesson learned that everyone can immediately grasp upon finishing that story. What I love most about poems are the ways in which they stay with me after reading, in which I have an initial impression. I get a little bit of a feeling that, oh, that poet has said something to me. I'm now thinking about some of these things, but I can also extrapolate it to other issues or concerns in my life or other images and and experiences that I'm having. And I can come back to the poems that leave me with more questions than answers. I have a reason to revisit them. And it's like having a conversation with somebody. It's, It's really that gesture of reaching out towards someone and trying to make sense of, of this journey together and not feeling so isolated in our kind of state of bewilderment. Mm-hmm. Well said, because uh, listeners, I think, I think you're like me, you've probably had this experience where you read something one time and you get something out of it. A year later, you read it again and you say, why didn't I see that before? <laughs> <laughs> so poetry is one of the categories for the Colorado Book Awards, correct? Yes. So how, how much poetry is being generated right now, especially in Colorado? There's quite a lot. I believe we had over 20 entries in the poetry category this year. And so that's just poetry books that have been published in the past year by Colorado authors. And the Colorado Book Awards operate under submissions, either from publishers or authors. You can submit your work to us. So I'm sure there are more than that being written in our state. I'm sure there are more books than that being written as well. Exactly. Um, But yes, and I, one of the other things I do apart from Colorado Book Awards is reading for the Center for Literary Publishing, which is separate, but also gives me another chance to see just how much poetry, speaking to poetry specifically, is being written in the state and across the, the sort of Mountain West region. And it's really inspiring to see. I bet. I bet. Because maybe I'm wrong, 
But it seems like when I look at something like the New York Times bestseller list or whatever, I don't recall ever seeing like a poetry or a group of, you know what I mean? It's, it's always like nonfiction or biography, you know, so some famous person's biography or some great fictional story, but I don't recall seeing poetry. I think that's because a lot of people are intimidated by poetry. And I think a lot of that has to do, and it's changing. I, I'm seeing it change. I am also an educator and I'm seeing it change a bit and I'm heartened to see that. But I think we have this idea that poetry that a poem has to have one specific meaning and if it's not immediately apparent to us then we aren't smart enough or oh it's not written for us and you know as a poet I can say that's really not true I'm not trying to confuse my reader I'm not trying to speak in riddles I'm I'm trying to express something in a novel way to arrive at a new way of, of thinking through uh, a subject matter and so I'm really just, I'm having those conversations. I'm having those questions on the page. I'm inviting the reader to help make the meaning with me. And I think that's something that we're not used to doing when we're reading that active meaning making and the idea that there really isn't a wrong way to approach the poem or to understand the poem. And so hopefully we'll see more of them promoted in some of those platforms. But I think too, the variety makes it really hard um, my favorite style of poetry might be someone else's worst nightmare. And so right. finding that consensus can be difficult. Right. Okay. I, you said that you were an educator. Um, here's a few questions around that because earlier you had talked about uh, mother read, father read and literacy. Right now, my, my kids are 21 and 23. So I definitely raised them in the you know age of technology but there's more digital distraction even now than when my kids were little. As an educator, as a parent, as a listener, you know, whether it's, it's your neighbor's kids, your grandkids, your kids or whatever, do you have any suggestions for getting kids to read instead of playing on video games or you know, doing something online? And part and parcel with that, why is it important that they read instead of do something online? Because some online stuff is beneficial. Absolutely. I think it's really all about balancing those different technological uh, mediums and devices and opportunities with just good old fashioned reading. And I think it really begins with setting an example as a parent, as an educator, allowing your kids to see you read and to see you engage with reading for fun, not just as a homework assignment. But the big mission of Mother Read, Father Read is to really promote reading as a shared activity as well. So not just going in our separate rooms or giving our kids a book and saying, okay, you have to read this chapter to get your prize, but, right. but reading with them and to really um, engage them in that activity and to not approach it as a chore, but to approach it really as this, this can be just as entertaining as watching a cartoon or watching a YouTube video and to really prioritize both methods, right? Digital mm -hmm. and on the page, just as far as there are great learning opportunities through technology, but also it's hard to look at a screen all day, every day. It's even books that are, are digitally produced. It's there's, you just can't beat a good old fashioned um, ink and paper book for, for giving your eyes a rest from that screen and to help you also just change modes. So slow down from, from the fast paced digital world and just really slow down and um, read in that leisurely way. But it also just, 
helps to activate different parts of your brain and to really activate different modes of thinking and a little bit, I think, more active engagement than some of the digital technology can so often be very passive learning. And so reading really encourages more of that active participation. It encourages you to fill in the holes in the narrative or to think about the characters and their motivations and what they're going through. And, and when we read with our children, we have the opportunity to have that conversation and to ask our children, how are you responding to this character? Why do you think this character acted the way they did? How would you act in a similar situation? And really help model that, that critical thinking and that empathy with mm-hmm. our children. Yeah, and some of those questions um, that, you, that you were asking, I find interesting because I am the daughter of an elementary school teacher and I grew up having that modeled for me. What do you think? Can you find this on the page? Where is it? So, so that's something that is in my wheelhouse. But I can also see how it might be difficult for somebody whose parents did not read with them, who did not ask those questions of them, who did not engage to maybe start thinking in that slightly different way, to start interacting with literature themselves and to encourage their kids to interact with it. Do you have any suggestions for listeners who are thinking, whoa, those are cool questions. I never thought to ask myself or my children about what's going on in the story. Yeah, I would direct them actually to our website, to coloradohumanities.org and to check out our Mother Read, Father Read program. That's really what it's directed towards is, is helping parents who maybe don't have that background themselves um, find a way to, to engage their children in that way and to really empower them to, to understand what questions they can ask and how they can engage their, their children with literature. I like that because reading is just fun and literature is just fun and there's a lot being produced and there's a lot of great quality stuff out there. So, hey, we are going to take a super quick break for a message from our sponsor. And when we come back, what I want to do is go through all of the different categories because there are several categories of awards and I'd like to list the date that, um, Some of those will be announced and then give readers the information for the program with Book Bar where they can tune in, they can hear the authors reading sections from their work and they can purchase some of the books if they are so interested. But before we do that break, I want to uh, close this first section with that idea of a book reading. You talked about mother read, father read, and the importance of reading aloud, but even as adults, oh my gosh, it's fun to hear something read aloud. And it's incredibly fun to hear something read aloud by the author because it's their inflection, it's their voice, it's their story. And I have always been really passionate about the art of storytelling, and it's kind of a lost art. You know, where we used to not have any other forms of entertainment, we would sit around the campfire and tell stories. And it's kind of a lost art and it's very entertaining, more entertaining than you might think to hear somebody read. And I was curious if you had any thoughts on listening to somebody read and how that feels for you. Absolutely. I didn't actually grow up with um, audiobooks. I was definitely a child who my dad modeled reading and a love of reading very early on, but it was a little bit more independent. I'm going to read my book over here. You read your book over there. And so I didn't really 
have that experience um, as, as a key part growing up. But as I've grown and, and entered sort of more um, professional spaces in, in literature and in writing and have attended more reading, it really is wonderful to hear, especially an author that you loved and that you've read several of their books and to then hear them read in public and be like, oh, that's how they sound. And oh, that's how they're animating their characters. And, and oh, that's how they're understanding this situation right here and these emotions and to really hear those inflections. Um, I'm a huge Neil Gaiman fan <laughs> personally. And he does his own audiobooks and narrations for a lot of his work, but I've also had the pleasure of hearing him read aloud on on various occasions mm. and I don't know if it's that cliched British accent or just how much I love his stories but I I love listening to him read to me and so now as an adult living in Colorado taking road trips and camping and you know traveling across huge swaths of uh, road without any real satellite reception or, or radio reception, finding audiobooks to, to take up that time has actually been one of the new pleasures that I've found in life. And so I really now love going on road trips and, and plugging in an audiobook, even if it's something I've already read myself. Oh yeah. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> okay. We're going to take our quick break. And when we come back, the categories um, the winning books that have been announced, uh, some of the authors and the dates that you can tune in to some of these literary um, events. So we will be back. To all the women who have cried in the shower, smiled when they wanted to scream, and couldn't wait to get home and unhook their bra, Flaunt is the definitive guidebook on how to get back in touch with who you are underneath your labels, roles, and scripts. Fall in love with yourself right now. Breathe life into the dreams you left behind and live each day with uninhibited joy. Pick up a copy of Laura Cheadle's number one best-selling book, Flaunt. Drop your cover and reveal your smart, sexy, and spiritual self wherever books are sold. It's available in print, digital, and audio formats and comes with two downloadable meditations. And we are back with Abby Kerstetter from the Colorado Center of the Book. It is time for the Colorado Book Awards. And although not all of the winners have been announced yet, a couple of them have. And yes, we've got the dates. We've got the categories. We've got the dates. We've got all of that stuff here for you now. So if you were looking for some great reads for this summer, whether it's a beach read or a backyard read or an, oh my gosh, I can't wait to start engaging in the world again read, <laughs> we have got you covered. And I will continue to update the show notes with the winning titles. So even if you're listening to this at a point in time where the awards have not been announced, I will update it. So you will be able to figure out which of the top books and which ones you might like to read. Now, Colorado Center for the Book has been partnering with Book Bar. Book Bar is an amazing independent bookstore in Denver and they are hosting um, many of these events. All of the readings, unless otherwise noted, start at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. So that's what, six Pacific, and nine Eastern. Um, and yes, 
They're online. So you too can tune in. Okay, let's go through some of these categories. And if there's been a winner announced, go ahead and let us know. First category coming up on April 9th, so very soon, is juvenile and young adult literature. Talk about this category. Absolutely. We are excited about all of our categories, but as we were just talking about how important it is to get children engaged in reading, this is always a fun fun event, fun night to have these authors come and answer questions from the audience and read from their book. And the good thing too, if you can attend these readings live, they are all going to be recorded and available on Colorado Humanities YouTube channel. So you can attend these events at your leisure as well. But the finalists this year in the juvenile literature finalists are Born Curious, 20 Girls Who Grew Up To Be Awesome Scientists, written by Martha Freeman and illustrated by Katie Wu, When You Know What I Know by Sonia K. Salter, and Midnight at the Barclay Hotel, written by Fleur Bradley and illustrated by Xavier Bonnet. And I do not have children in my own home. I have a niece and nephew who's back in Pennsylvania, but I'm already excited to recommend these books to them them as well and having gotten a chance to peek through them in our office um, they've got born curious has great illustrations midnight at the barclay hotel looks like such an interesting mystery novel that i could see reading through in an evening um, and when you know what i know uh, really tackles difficult issues in literature which i think can be a great place to have those hard conversations yeah. Oh, I love that. I, uh, same yeah. thing I, I mentioned in the intro. I love young adult. I just, mm. I don't know. I, I love it. <laughs> so I'm anxious <laughs> to look through those as well. Um, the next category coming up on April 14th is historical fiction, which I think is my number one favorite um, genre and romance. So talk about historical fiction and romance. Yes, I actually just want to backtrack a minute because oh, yes, I gave, so I give you the I give you the juvenile literature finalists, but um, that's our slightly younger category. Then we have our young adult literature oh, finalists. Sorry, are <laughs> no, that's okay. This is why we edit exactly. Um, so our our young adult literature finalists then are ten things I hate about Pinky by Sundia Menon, who is a New York Times bestselling author. Turtle Under Ice by Julia Del Rosario and Offline by Donna Cooner. So also a number of books getting into some playful, some whimsical topics, some relationships. Um, Offline specifically deals with social media and its implications on childhood friendships, relationships, um, really accessible and, and relevant to, to what some of our youth are experiencing. And, um, you know, all of, all of these books really just great ways of starting conversations. Yeah, no kidding. Um, all right, so now we can go on to the next category of um, historical fiction and romance. Yes, the historical fiction and romance category, those finalists will be announced very shortly. We're just getting ready to send off all of our notifications. And that reading will be held on April 14th. Nice. And how many, I'm just curious. So how many 
again, backtracking, <laughs> how many entrants did you have for juvenile and YA? And then how many for historical fiction and romance? What is like your biggest and what is your smallest category? Absolutely. Our, I would say one of our smaller categories was juvenile literature, but all of our categories, you know, we, we like to have at least enough books that we can make a selection from, right? We really want Got these it. awards to be earned and deserving and not just default things that are are given out so the average number of entries in a given category generally falls somewhere around 10 books per category I think this year poetry and creative nonfiction had the most entries and part of that also comes down to those categories aren't broken into subcategories the same way that we get entries in general fiction, but then of course some of those books are divided into their genres, romance, historical fiction, um, mystery, thriller. And so so some of those specific genres have maybe fewer than 10, but certainly a good robust pool of entries. And and then when we get into, um, as I said, the the poetry and the nonfiction, the, the books that don't fall into as many subcategories, those selectors have quite more of a chore to, to read through all of those books. Right. Okay. So, so in other words, there's too many to list all of them here. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Okay. The third category coming up is on April 21st and that's general nonfiction and history. Um, I'm, I'm having the feeling that general nonfiction is probably pretty broad. And I was hoping you could say a little bit more about that. Yeah. So we have creative nonfiction, of course, which is usually more memoirs, essays, personal essays. And then our general nonfiction are really um, books that appeal to a broad audience, but are accessible too. So they, we do have a separate history category for subjects, you know, such as colonization, um, legal histories, biographies of uh, historical figures, if, if they're not put into a separate biography category. And those, you know, World War I narratives would go mm-hmm. into, into the history specific category. So general Nonfiction becomes the category for self-help books. Um, This year, we've had books in that category that discuss matters of caregiving, um, relationship advice, fitness books. It really runs the gamut from anything that would be a general topical nonfiction account if you were interested in really learning more about a specific topic, but you didn't want to have to be an academic scholar to understand it, right? So we want them to be written to a broad audience, but also conveying that subject expertise as well. Got it. April 28th, we've got anthology and pictorial. Let's talk about that because I think that would be fun. Yeah, these are really great um, opportunities to not just celebrate Colorado authors, but also editors. That's such uh, an important job to bring together collections and to bring together various writers as well. And then some of our photographers and illustrators and to, to really look at the book and celebrate the book in all of its forms. And we don't just take in language in in books. There, there are... Um, 
you know, there, there are merits to illustrations also pulling us into literature and getting us excited about books and, and different ways of telling stories. And so um, this year we had fewer uh, fewer pictorial entries than, than in some past years, but again, some really exciting entries. It's really interesting. And I, I, without giving away too much before the finalists are announced, um, it's really interesting to see the different approaches to, to books and to literature and to communicating stories or also to um, starting conversation through books that some of these entries are asking of us. Right. Right. Um, May 4th, and this one is at 430 Mountain because it's children's literature and it's being done in uh, conjunction with the Colorado or the Children's Book Week at and Book Bar's story time. But that's the children's literature category. And say more about this one. <laughs> this one was a hard category this year. We had our readers, our selectors were um, very torn with trying to come up with the finalists just there were so many great entries and so many different approaches towards the combination of the illustrations and the message and the language and how the parents will experience reading the books and how the children will experience the books and it's really it's been fun to see the different books come into the office and again thinking through okay that's what my nephew's gonna get for Christmas next year that's what he's <laughs> gonna get for his birthday and seeing the really bright illustrations and um and similarly we get a wide variety of books that try and really tackle difficult issues for children and then books that are just whimsical and fun and so it's um it's gonna be a really exciting reading with book bar and to participate in their regular story time hours. So if you are a parent interested in having that experience with your child of reading aloud to your child and um, really engaging in that way, the story time that book bar does weekly is a really great platform to, to look into as well. And is that being done virtually right now too? Yes, yeah. I think Book Bar is starting to look at having people get back into their shops to browse, but for, for this award season, it's it's just too hard to plan for things possibly being open and then having them not be open. So everything will be virtual this year, but we're really looking forward to being able to celebrate in person again soon. Right. All right. The next category is coming up May 5th, and that's general fiction and science fiction fantasy. Yes. And so, so general fiction is our sort of catch-all for those realist fiction novels, um, fiction that the author hasn't broken into a subcategory. So it's, it's not a genre, it's not thriller, it's not mystery. Um, the distinction between general fiction and literary fiction, I think is one that's very fraught in the industry. <laughs> and so we, we let our authors and our submitters identify where they want to be placed. I think at the end of the day, a good novel is a good novel and, and that, you know, we want to really celebrate and acknowledge and respect where the author would like to be situated and read. So we have general fiction and then sci-fi fantasy, which is always a really fun category as well. And um, this is my first year working with the Center for the Book, but I'm told that we always get a really strong turnout for the sci-fi uh, fantasy 
Oh, I bet. Proud. I bet. Um, and just what I think is interesting about that, and, and this is a broad sweeping generalization that may not be as accurate as it has been in my world, but having young adults, males, I've got two boys. It's interesting. So many of their friends and, and, and them as well love the whole sci-fi fantasy category. And I'm always so thankful for it because it seems like s- there's a lot of literature that is geared towards women. And it's really nice to have this whole sci-fi fantasy category that can absolutely captivate them. Now, why I said that's a broad sweeping generalization, you know, Harry Potter's, I guess, you know, that's fantasy too. I'm captivated with that. The Hobbit, I'm captivated with that. Aragon. I mean, there's all of these amazing books, but having things like the Game of Thrones series and stuff got my boys reading in ways that I had not seen them read before. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting. My own experience as a writer when I was in college, I was writing sci fi fantasy stories, and it was something that was a little discouraged in the academy. It was kind of something that was patronized with a little, well, that's nice, but we're going to teach you how to write real stories. (laughs) And, And I think that there's been a lot of pushback with popular culture, but also just with recognizing that if you enjoy reading something, it's not the wrong thing to read, right? There's these hierarchies we have, Um, you know, at the end of the day, like fantasy novels, sci-fi novels can just reach a different audience and still have that same power of communication and empathy and critical thinking that is so important with reading. And I came to be a poet because I loved reading sci-fi and fantasy and that got me into loving literature and wanting to write and finding the ways in which I didn't wanna tell a linear story and I wanted to play with language through poetry. But if I hadn't fallen in love with reading through fantasy, I wouldn't have then become a poet. Right, right. I I appreciate what you said about sometimes that hierarchy of what's better and what's worse, because I do think that is taught at the university level. But I also think it's something that we kind of inadvertently encourage in our conversations. Oh, you're reading that. Well, why don't you read something real? Ew, I don't want classics. (laughs) And you know, there's a lot of, and it's interesting because I have books that I love and books that I despise, I think in all categories, I absolutely loved 90% of the classics of the books that I had to read in college. The Iliad and the Odyssey are some of my, my top two books in the world. Moby Dick, I despised. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not throwing out the baby with the bathwater. And you're right. If you can fall in love with the art of reading, It'll bring you in to, I think, a wider variety of categories. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All righty. Next category, May 12th, biography and creative nonfiction. Um, Totally know what biography is, and I'm (laughs) guessing the readers do, but creative nonfiction, say more about all of that. Yeah, that's another one of those really broad categories as far as, um, you know, general nonfiction, the emphasis is on communicating about a subject and passing along knowledge, I think, in in more of an authoritative way 
Whereas creative nonfiction, like poetry, has room for questioning, it has room for searching. It's a little bit more about the journey of discovery than just presenting your findings. And so this category, we have memoir, we have personal essay, um, and really just having the the freedom to to tell a true story, but also recognize that the stories are being told by humans who are fallible and who memory that is fallible and there are going to be holes, there are going to be places of speculation, there are going to be um, memories that someone else might recount differently. And so it's really about that internal reflection and and really interrogating the self and, and what those um, impacts are and and working through those on the page and so so like poetry I think creative nonfiction is really one of those genres that invites the reader to participate in the process and to really see the ins and outs of how the writer is experiencing their story. Hmm, I like that I like that a lot and then the last category is literary fiction and poetry, and that is coming up on May 19th. Um, from what you were talking about with creative nonfiction, it seems like perhaps literary fiction is just the fiction nonfiction kind of other side of that coin. Yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting. I have an MFA in creative writing and I've, I've spoken with um, fiction writers and it, it really is, um, I think, a term that is come under scrutiny with the same idea of hierarchies. What does it mean for something to be literary versus general? And traditionally, there's more attention to the language. Um, but again, good writing is good writing. And you see that in every genre as well. And so I think that what we're seeing happen with literary fiction is rather than focusing on fraught notions of quality, which isn't contained to just one genre. We're seeing stories that maybe play with the traditional narrative arc, maybe mm. stories that aren't told in a linear way, stories that um, maybe don't fill in all of the holes that we're expecting as readers. So, so maybe fictions that um, ask the reader to go out a little bit more on a limb and to, to be a little a little more comfortable with being unsettled. Um, but of course, I have not actually myself gotten to read any of these books yet. We send them off to our selectors to make the decisions and I just facilitate those conversations. So I'm personally looking forward to seeing what the various books are doing in this category. But, um, but yeah, I would say across the board, generally literary fiction is something that is as interested in how the story is told as the story they're telling. And so really interested in those, those mechanics and questions of how to tell the story differently. Got it, I love that. May 26th, we've got mystery and thriller. Yes, um, and that's another exciting night really where um, I, I'm, I am not someone who has actually read a ton of mystery and thriller myself. And so these categories for me, the distinctions between them um, are, are interesting to note. I think mystery, of course, you know, has more of the whodunit. You're not sure who the danger is coming from, whereas the thriller, you're aware of the danger and <laughs> just watching the events play out. Um, and so these are always really fun reads. And I think we've got some really exciting books to look forward to coming out of that category this year. 
Oh yeah. I like you. I have not read a lot in that um, genre and whatever I have, I've enjoyed it. So I don't know why it's not something that I gravitate to. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, again, I think it's just what we're presented with and, and what sort of biases where we're given whether deliberately or or not <laughs> yes yes but. and that is my challenge before we go into finding out what are some of your favorite books not book winners but just some of your favorite books in these categories I want to issue a challenge to you listeners I want you to think about the category that you gravitate towards you know me I'm always like oh historical fiction I'm in oh you know I don't tend to go to some of these other categories. And my challenge to you is to kind of notice where you're at and where you're not at and to make it a point to pick up something in a category that you're not familiar with. If you're an adult and you have not read young adult, pick up a young adult book, give it a shot and just see what you like. If you're like me and haven't really done a lot of thrillers, pick something up and try it. You know, same thing if you're like nonfiction all the way, pick up some fiction. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, fantasy or literary or whatever, pick it up and give it a try. Just expand, expand. It's like trying new foods. Try something. You might like it. So as these winners are announced, I will go back and update the show notes so you, my dear listeners, can have your summer reading list. And now to wrap up today's show, Abby, I want you to list a book or two in each category that might be one of your favorites. And if you don't have something, that's fine too. And these are not necessarily Colorado authors. These are not award categories. It's just for listeners to maybe be inspired by something um, and to give something a good try. Absolutely. We'll, (laughs) let's see, we'll go through these categories and see, this is always one of those questions that even when I'm giving poetry readings or or talking to classes and they ask, who are you reading? Who should we read? It's the minute the question comes up, everything I've read goes out the window. I know, I know. (laughs) And if you wouldn't mind, I'll bounce some of my favorites out too, even though I don't know all of the authors and the same thing. Um, Juvenile and young adult. Do you have something in that category? Um, you know, I, I personally do not, as I said, I I don't have children in my life at the moment. So I'm not familiar with what's, um, what's being done in that category right now. I do. I do have one, um, revolution. And I'm just looking up revolution by Jennifer Donnelly. If you have not picked that Mm -hmm. up, even as an adult, I thoroughly enjoyed that book. Um, Yeah. Revolution, Jennifer Donnelly. And it's funny because I'm saying it's one of my favorite books. I don't completely remember all of it, but it's one of those time swaps where she was like living in the French Revolution at one point and living in the present day and was kind of going back and forth. But absolutely love that book. Super short book. You can just whip through it in an afternoon. Next category, historical fiction and romance. 
Yes. Um, I don't read too much romance, but my dad has started this new tradition of giving me and my three siblings a book each year for Christmas, the same book that we all read together, um, which has been like a a delight of of adulthood to really bring, um, you know, bring our reading together into more of a family thing we can share because we're all avid readers, but reading across the board. And so the last book he gave us was a historical fiction. It was called This Tender Land by William Kent Kruger, I believe. Um, And so that was uh, a really really fun read. As I said, I'm a poet and I read a lot of research and poetry. And so I'm always thrilled to have um, fiction suggested to me. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, I think for my historical fixture, Ken Follett, I mean, I just kind of worship him. (laughs) Pillars of the Earth, any of those books, I absolutely loved them. Okay, next category, general nonfiction and history. Well, I do read a lot of, I guess they'd be general nonfiction, but um, also in history, I read a lot of Alaska Native um, history texts and indigenous texts. Um, one that I have not read yet that I'm really excited to read is David Troyer's Heartbeat of Wounded Knee, which is um, a kind of reclaiming of, of that tragedy and also a focus on the resilience of indigenous people as well. I'm gonna grab that I, because I have not heard of that and that sounds amazing. Okay. Um, anthology and pictorial. What about, what about that for you? That's not a category I tend to gravitate towards. So I don't really have something. Yeah. Um, well, I guess anthologies, my anthologies are mostly poetry, but one that I picked up this year at the virtual AWP association of writers and writing program conference was called family resemblance an anthology and exploration of eight hybrid literary genres. Um, I'm always interested in, in works that sort of blend those genres, right? I, I, don't, I don't like talking about the hierarchies, the different categories, because those yep. rules sound so fixed. Um, and then of course I'd be remiss as a poet not to mention the Norton Anthology of Native Nations Poetry edited by our poet laureate, Joy Harjo, phenomenal poet uh, who that anthology is called when the light of the world was subdued our songs came through Ooh, um, so if you cool. want to see what some contemporary indigenous writers are doing it's really exciting to see how vibrant that community is right now it's going through a kind of um, another renaissance as it were of great writers Wow, that sounds amazing. Um, I know you don't have kids, but children's literature, do you have anything in that category? Nothing modern, um, but I will say, like I said, I'm a big Neil Gaiman fan. <laughs> and so um, I love, what was his alphabet book called? Um, he has an alphabet book for children, I think is one of the last ones that I gave my I'm always trying to give my nieces and nephews the the weird books that I don't think their parents are going to buy for <laughs> them like um and why can't I find the alphabet one? Oh well um you know I, I like anything he's done he's got um the wolves in the wall the day I swapped my father for two goldfish um 
I think getting into more of the, well, I guess getting into the juvenile lit too, his, his graveyard book and Coraline were two books that I read as an adult in college and really thoroughly enjoyed. Right. Oh, I love that. Okay. What about general fiction and sci-fi fantasy, especially since you, you've got the kind of that lean and have written some sci-fi fantasy. What do you love? Yes, I am currently reading The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, and I love it. I am kind of savoring it. I don't have too much free time in my day these days. So I've, but I've gone back to, I realized I really missed reading stories that I just enjoyed for the mm-hmm. sake of reading a good story. And everything I was reading was all serious and research and, you know, it all had an agenda. And so I just committed to taking like 15, 20 minutes when I go to bed to just a chapter a night. Um, so it's taking me much longer to read this book than, than it should. It's, it's not a slow book. It's a very fast paced, um, enthralling read, but I'm really savoring it and stretching it out. Um, and then I also, I love graphic novels. So I'm, I'm reading the Monstrous series right now and enjoying that. Oh, how f- I guess that could be a pictorial as well. It's very image based. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Oh, I love that. Um, all right. Let's see. Biography and creative nonfiction. Yes. Um, well, let's see. Um, you know, it's given the year we've had and my dad's a big history buff. So I've actually just picked up some biographies from him that I am interested in reading and I don't know how modern these are um I do one I'm really excited to read is his truth is marching on John Lewis and the power of hope um that that was the biography that my dad gave us this Christmas that I'm really looking forward to reading and then I also finally picked up braiding sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer and that is, um, you know, the subtitle of that indigenous wisdom, scientific knowledge and the teaching of plants, um, I think is also a really relevant read to sort of where we're at in the Anthropocene and the climate crisis wow. we're in. Wow. That looks amazing. Um, well, mine is not re- is not new either, but I thoroughly enjoyed Michelle Obama's Becoming book. Mm, I have that on my list to read. I can't. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) You must. It was just a really good read. So love that. All right. Literary fiction and poetry. Yes. Oh, where to begin with um, (laughs) poetry. (laughs) I always, I actually always dread recommending poets because I'm like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to forget somebody. So actually what I'm going to do is I have a friend who has just written a great poetry book um, that's come out during the pandemic. And, oh, it is Atomic City by Sarah Sams. I have been waiting for this book to come out. And so I'm gonna give my nod to that one just because it's so hard to promote work right okay. now. And, um, and that's, I, I'm really looking forward to, to reading that poetry collection. Ooh, that sounds amazing. And I just have to give my nod to the Iliad and the Odyssey. (laughs) (laughs) What Abby said earlier, sometimes about you don't have to necessarily understand it and there's no right and there's no wrong. Um, Those books are so, so epic. And what I loved about it and what was my experience reading it is I started reading it with the eye to, I need to understand this. And I'd read a line and I think I don't get it. And I'd read two lines and then I'd 
wouldn't get it. And then I'd read back. And at some point I was like, forget it. I have 40 pages due tomorrow. (laughs) And I started reading it and it seeps in. It literally seeps Mm. into your soul. And all of a sudden you're having these deep understandings and these epiphanies. And you're like, I get it. I don't get it word for word, line by line, stanza by stanza. I get it as a whole. So if you have absolutely, yeah, I recommend trying those. And then the very last category is mystery and thriller. What do you recommend there? Yes. um, As I said, not two that I read very often. Um, (laughs) I am very much my mother's daughter in that I cannot handle suspense. (laughs) But I am very much looking forward. I've heard bits and pieces of, of this novel as he's given readings at different events, but I'm very excited to finally get to read all of David Heska Wombly Whedon's Winter Counts. Um, that's a thriller. Ooh. And that one I have heard nothing but great things about. And so I cannot wait to get my hands on that. Oh, I love that. And, you know, going back to some other category, one of the latest books I just read was Hillbilly Elegy. And that was phenomenal. And I will also add one more to the creative nonfiction um, that I was remiss in not mentioning a little bit more recent than Braiding Sweetgrass is Carrie uh, by Tony Jensen. This is really relevant to, um, I think in Washington, they are recently discussing the Violence Against Women Act and um, violence against indigenous women specifically. And so Carrie by Tony Jensen is um, her creative nonfiction account that also tackles some of that. Ooh, I'm going to grab that. Well, thank you so much for sharing these books. I've been madly writing them down and I will put them in the show notes so our readers can have them as well. Listeners, I would also love to hear from you. If you read something that's amazing, shoot me an email, laura at lauracheadle.com. And my way of spelling Laura is the easy way, L-O-R-A. So laura at lauracheadle.com, or you can find me across all social media shoot me some of your top books because I want to know because I'm a reader and take me up on my challenge. Whether it's a book that was mentioned today or something else, find something that it's in a category that is kind of a not intuitive category for who you are. Expand your horizons, read. And as these awards come out, I will continue to update the show, but hopefully you can tune in to at least a few of these readings. And Abby, you said these are on your website. Would you leave your website for people? Absolutely. At coloradohumanities.org, you will find the schedule of events and a way to register for these readings. And if you also search for our YouTube channel, you can see our readings from last year, which was also virtual from the pandemic. And we'll also be putting all of these readings up on YouTube as well. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing your love of poetry, of literature, of books, of just all things reading. I really appreciated it. Thanks so much for having me. I really I do love to talk about books and to get other people interested and excited in reading whatever, whatever genre gets to you. Um, yeah. I, yeah. 
Oh, absolutely. Listeners, have an amazing week. I'm super excited to hear what you discover, what you find out when you read something different. And I'm also super excited to hear about your top books. So Laura at laurachetel.com or hit me up on social. Have an incredible week. And as usual, always remember to flaunt exactly who you are because who you are is always more than enough. Tune in next time to Flaunt. Build your dreams, live your sparkle with radio host Laura Cheadle every Wednesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Overcome the need to please and find the uninhibited joy of being exactly who you are right now. Come find your fetish, laugh out loud, accept unconditionally, navigate the negative, and trust in your truth. Find out more and get your free gift at lauracheadle.com. That's L-O-R-A-C-H-E-A-D-L-E dot com.